Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you don't, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Is Jesus serious? In today's Gospel, do not let your hearts be troubled. I confess to you that I almost check out immediately with this first verse every time I hear this gospel because I am so distracted by the troubling things around me and so preoccupied by how troubled my heart often is. How can our hearts not be troubled when the world seems to be unhinged or as Hamlet would put it, Time seems to be out of joint. How can our hearts not be troubled when the Earth's core temperature is rising, our polar ice caps are melting, the planet is facing unprecedented heat waves and drought, and the future is uncertain for many ecological and biological systems, including the well-being of our own human race? How can our hearts not be troubled when every morning we wake up afraid of what our president has tweeted and whom he has offended or fired? How can our hearts not be troubled when the very citizens of our beloved country often feel insane and anxious, a direct reflection of our elected leadership? 
How can our hearts not be troubled when millions of Americans will likely lose their health insurance? How can our hearts not be troubled when phrases like mass shooting, international cyber attack, global terrorism, and race crime are casually tossed about between phrases like pass the salt and check please? How can our hearts not be troubled by the construction of the wall taking shape on our southern border? And locally and very, very close to the heart of LCM, how can our hearts not be troubled when our brilliant friend and neighbor, the Reverend Anna Bladel, just across the street at the Wesley Student Center, comes under church discipline in the United Methodist Church for officiating at a same-gender wedding and might lose her ordained status over it. How can our hearts not be troubled when the church as a whole is still preoccupied by whether a man gets into a marital bed with another man or a woman gets into a marital bed with another woman instead of worrying about the churches in our country who eagerly get into bed with the government? That is to say, churches whose pulpits are becoming mouthpieces for our own government, which is often advancing its ideology by cloaking it in religious terms in order to further oppress women and minorities and poor folks. The church across denominations needs to stop worrying about consensual human marriage and start worrying about the shady marriage between church and state. The Religious Liberty Executive Order blesses the union between government and church. We saw this before in 1945 when swastikas hung off of pulpits, even Lutheran ones, in Nazi Germany. We need to remember that the God whom we worship is the God who says, remember when you were aliens in a foreign land and love your neighbors and pray for your enemies. There is much to be troubled by. To be fair, in Jesus' time, there were similar problems with corrupt governments and tyrannical leaders and gloom and doom prophecies of the end of the world and rampant disease and violence. In Jesus' time, women and poor people and minorities were oppressed and persecuted, just like today. But while one would hope for human advancement, it certainly doesn't seem to be the case. And he says to us, do not let your hearts be troubled Turns out his words are as relevant today as they were 2,000 years ago because every generation presents its own set of troubled hearts. Jesus knows this. He even knows why his own friends specifically are troubled as he surveys their faces around the table as he eats with them one last time. He knows full well what is about to happen to them once he's gone, that Thomas will be martyred with a spear, that Philip and Peter will be crucified upside down, that James and Bartholomew will be beheaded, Matthew will be stabbed, the other James stoned to death, as Stephen is in our first reading from today, that Simon and Thaddeus will be crucified, Judas will commit suicide, and only John will die peacefully as an old man, but that is only after the attempt to boil him in oil fails, and he is exiled to an island off the coast of Greece. Perhaps Jesus is even speaking to himself as his own heart grows troubled over his imminent death and the inevitable deaths of his friends. If Jesus was human 
and like us in every way, then Jesus was no stranger to the troubled human heart. So then in Jesus' time and in our time today, there's much to be troubled by, for sure, from the vast, looming things like the future of the universe to the well-being of our friends and family. We are people with troubled hearts. And since I've never been a father, but I'm a mother, and since today is Mother's Day, I'm going to make the claim that mothers have a unique sort of troubled heart that is in some way both a privilege and a burden in that peculiar way that both swells and shreds the heart. Jesus understands this motherly love for children, which is why he refers to himself as a mother hen when he laments over Jerusalem and why he answers Philip and Thomas with such compassion and tenderness for mothers, a troubled heart, and a song of thanksgiving often go hand in hand. Even though my children are still relatively young, I'm discovering that while there is so much to be troubled about in motherhood, there is so much more to be thankful for. And for me, this began with the first flutter in the womb, with the first kick that I felt, which for me had come after a life-threatening miscarriage. And so these first kicks were awaited with intense anxiety and fear. But when they came, oh, the joy in this mother's heart, a troubled heart, yet mixed with profound thanksgiving, a strange mixture that I am discovering is often experienced on the sidelines in parenting. Christian had his last seventh grade track meet on Tuesday, and as he ran past the bleachers where I was sitting during his 1,500-meter race, I, of course, cheered loudly for him, just like all the other parents did for their kids. I later asked him if he hears those cheers as he runs past, and he says, No, Mom, I'm in the zone. I reflected on that these last few days and how the older that my kids get, the further back my seat moves in their lives from cradling them to propping them up as they learn to walk to steadying their bikes as they learn to ride to watching them sprint past the windows in the summer then peering down at them on a field or a track, or a diamond, soon to be out of sight on highways and interstates and flights, and my seat in their lives will recede even further away. That's how it goes. But nonetheless, I will always be cheering for them with a heart bursting with thanksgiving, regardless of whether they hear it or not. Yet despite inevitable growth, and increasing distance that troubles this mother's heart, there is an aching and profound thanksgiving that they live and that they breathe and that they laugh and run and grow and go. I was talking about this track meet image with Pastor Roger this week, 
And he added to this a beautiful insight of the host of saints who also cheer for us wherever they exist in God's reign of eternal life, regardless of whether we hear them or not, receiving a sign from them from time to time, whispers on the wind from the great cloud of witnesses that once diapered us and washed us and fed us and now rest and exist in God's peace. Though we might be physically removed from the dead and the unborn by time and space, including our mothers, maybe, or grandmothers, as well as mothers of generations to come, we exist in eternal community in the kingdom of God, each one with a place specially prepared for by Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of all. I am often so preoccupied with the things that trouble me. Jesus' words really touch me in my heart, my troubled heart. I'm so often preoccupied, especially with things regarding my kids, that sometimes I forget to stop and give God thanks for the privilege of being a mother This doesn't apply, I think, only to biological mothers and fathers, but also extends to anyone who has had the honor of contributing to and participating in the lives of little ones. May we remind our little ones as they grow and walk and run past and fly by that we are always there cheering and loving unconditionally in that peculiar way that both swells and shreds the heart. If we are created in the image of this astonishing father, mother, God, and if we are disciples of this Jesus who tenderly addresses his friends during their one last meal together, can we not also catch a glimpse of the same love that God has for us as we dash this way and that, as we grow from infants to adults, as God feeds us with the spiritual milk we need to live, as God is eternally there for us, cheering, loving, forgiving, feeding, dying, rising, ascending, preparing a place for a people who are largely too troubled to even notice that God is there. Whether we hear God cheering or not, he exists. Whether we see God moving or not, whether we confess God's presence or not, God is there. The miracle, I think, in this morning's gospel is the reassurance that Jesus offers to a very troubled Philip and a very troubled Thomas very troubled disciples, and to us, a very troubled people. If you listen closely to this morning's gospel, if you lean in, you might, if you are lucky, hear. In Jesus' words, echoes of reassurances that you may have heard from your mother or your grandmother. Or maybe you'll find similarities to words that you whisper to your own children when their hearts are troubled or afraid. 
the words that Jesus says, haven't I been with you all this time? Haven't I been with you all this time? Maybe you've not seen or felt my presence. Maybe you've not heard me cheering for you. But have I not been with you this whole time? Will I not always be with you? For there is nothing that can separate you from my life, not death or government or time or any sin that you might ever commit. Where I am, there you will be also in life, in the grave, and in the life to come. I empty my very self for you says our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I give you my own milk so that you might have abundant and eternal life. Amen.